0: Welcome to the City Church Podcast. We hope that you will be abundantly blessed by this message. If you would like to find out more about the city, please log on to our website www.thecity.sg. Good morning, everyone. I am so glad to be back in church. I was bumped up last week, but today, yay, glad to be back. If you are joining us for the first time, uh, my name is Joy and I am happily married to Daniel Chua and uh, he's the best looking man and pastor on planet earth, according to me, right? Together we have six children and you know, uh, having been locked down with them for the last four weeks, you know, we have never been so alive and energetic to break out from our house to come here, so... Welcome. And uh, I don't know about you, you know, I was really over the moon when they announced that uh, dining was uh, made available uh, for two, right? Uh, I was really on the verge of a meltdown, you know, having been stuck at home and not able to go out. I mean, I try to manage, like, try to convince myself that, you know, I can be a functional introvert. And, uh and through that, you know, by thinking that I can be a functional introvert, I probably could you know, allow my extroversion to slowly melt away you know, and uh, allow myself to metaphorise from a social butterfly to a lone wolf and then I look at myself, Hey, still a butterfly, you know, so I can't, I can't, I can't transform, right, and uh, it was, I know I hear a lot of like introverts, you know, they they, they struggle, uh, especially when they're in a social setting, when they have to socialize or interact, they say, oh, I really want to be alone in a social setting, but the reverse, right, is also true, when you are extrovert, right, it is actually very agonizing to be isolated, so, I am super, super happy to be back, to be set free and let out, you know, and I am so, happy that I have a big family to keep their crazy mother alive. So now that you feel, you know how excited I am to be let out my euphoria and my enthusiasm. Okay, let us pray. You know, as we look to the Lord to open us His Word, Father, we thank you for this exciting day. Father, we cannot, Lord, we can. We are just so excited for what you're going to do in our lives, and we pray this morning that you will open up Your Word to us. We know, God, Your Word has transformation power, Lord, and so we allow ourselves God to be immersed by your word Lord to be transformed by your word oh God and we pray Father that you will open our ears Lord you open up our spirit Father, Lord not just eyes to see ears to hear but open up our spirit to receive your word Lord. Lord your rain our word today Lord even as we um, as we spend our time together God in Jesus name we all pray. Amen. Today I'm going to talk about um, breaking the c- tra- comparison trap. Comparison is something that I battle with a lot. I wrestle with a lot, and uh, I thought that the older I get or the more mature I get, even though I look younger nowadays, eh, um, I have I I know I I don't have to fight this battle uh, that much, but that is not true. You know. Um, I think this comparison uh, battle is constant. We constantly have to fight it. But the question is, how do we actually fight it? And for me, maybe it started from young, right? Uh, When I was a child, um, I often feel uh, very inadequate, right? Uh, My parents make me feel that, or I think, right? Or I feel that my parents make me feel that I can't do anything right. You know, I'm often being compared to, uh, to my older siblings or my cousins who seemingly are uh, uh, smarter and uh, more, better behaved. And I often felt like I, I don't match up, right? And that feeling still is sometimes still inside of me. Eh? And it didn't help like uh, growing up in a society that places a strong emphasis on meritocracy. Academic grades are what make or break you. You know, and uh, and the survival of the fittest or the strongest, as uh, Charles Darwin purported, as the natural selection in his evolution uh, theory, is a mindset cemented by um, the boomer generation, right? Who survived the World War Two, and that's uh, how my parents are. You know, so comparison has somehow become a way of life, right? Uh, as much as we don't want to, and I thought that you know, it only happens as you as you are older. But nowadays it happens at the moment you're born, right? You know, how heavy are you? What's your head circumference? You know, can you say hallelujah by the time you come out from your mother's room? You no, know, all these comparison. Uh, you know, my child can crawl at five months, walk at eight months, talk at one one year old, you know. So there's always this comparison happening. And then when you go to school, there's a comparison of grades, you know, uh, and uh, know, uh, how, how, how you're ranked in class, how you're ranked in the cohort. And then when you go out to work, then you compare yourself. Oh, how much do I earn? You know, you compare about the bags that you carry. Is it branded? The clothes that you wear. You know, the cars you drive. The house you own. And then when you find a partner, is how good looking your your partner is. You know, is your, your is your partner uh, of a certain profession? And you do all this comparison all the time. And now even when you are buying things, right, you compare prices, rating, reviews. I do that all the time, right? And social media, you compare, oh, i got more likes than my husband's post or my husband's post has more likes than me. You know, you're always doing this comparison. And, and as much as we don't want to compare, you know, this mindset has just somehow been woven subtly into the fabric of our being. It, it's just being so part of us. And I, I, and I still know that, you know, Daniel and I are back in school. You know, we always say to our kids, you know, your, your grades doesn't define you, right? Uh, a or B doesn't define you. But then when it comes to our own academic, right? A. You know, A and B is very important, right? So every time when we get our results, I, I feel a bit sore when, you know, Daniel gets more A than me. Ah, oh, you're the smarter one, uh, A. Uh, I want to get Bs. You know, and somehow I say, hey, but it shouldn't define me, what? You know? And then some people say, but we are Asians. Asian must get A, right? Cannot be a B. Beyond know, being Asian cannot, must get A, right? So I was very, very hard must get A. And I was like, I was like, it's okay, you know. After a while, I say it doesn't define me, I can get B. It's okay. And then when I receive one assignment, right, um, when the tutor writes, oh, a very a well-written piece of work. Good job. There I look, huh? B. Huh? Why B? A well-written piece of job. Isn't it an A? You know, why is it a B? You know, somehow we we don't like to be compared. We want to have an A or B. We don't care, but somehow in us it really matters, right? and just can't seem to shake that away. I mean, to be honest, when Pastor Janice approached me to, to you know, to share, uh, my first instinct, right, the first thing that came to my mind, like, huh, why me? You know, there's so many other good speakers. a stone, Stona can hit anyone, can hit Tim, can hit Janice, can hit, you know, uh, Daniel, Chua, all of you, you know, all can speak very well. You know, why me, right? And and somehow it just clicked in, right, by default mode. And then I always turn to my first line of defense, Right, there is my beloved husband. Have you noticed him? You can ask my husband to speak. He is a really good speaker. He's ever ready. The good thing is he has nothing to do so he can speak, right? Not like me. i got to manage my family. You know? So I try to give reason, you know, why is he a better speaker? And and, and in the default mode, you know, the fear, like the struggle, I, was like, I ask him to speak. He like he's a much better speaker. But somehow I just felt the tugging of the Holy Spirit and say, don't refuse uh, Janice, right? Don't refuse Pastor Janice. Because she's such a nice person. The way she asked me, she's so gentle. I was like, well, when will you make it? Can I put you on this date? She's just so nice. Agree? Pastor Janice is the nicest person I have ever seen, right? So gentle, so nice. So I cannot say no to her. You know. And as I was like, struggling and wondering what to uh, speak about, the Lord just opened his word to me as I, was, as I was doing my devotion. And this is the scripture that I'll be sharing uh, on primarily today is from the book of 2 Corinthians. And let me give you some context here, right? Paul planted a church... Uh, in Corinth you know he was very invested in the Corinthian church right He spent uh, a few years uh, a few uh, he spent some time in Corinth according to Acts like, Cor- 18 Corinth was a uh, large co- uh, cosmopolitan city, a very thriving commercial center. It is like a melting pot of culture and religion very much like Singapore right And it is a hub you know for arts and uh, literature and architecture and so the book of Corinthian to me, you know, as you can read, right? Was Paul's battle against all these ideologies, the uh, philosophies that were in the worldview that was contrary to uh, the the crucified life that he said he was trying to address some of these thoughts and this worldview that has seeped into the Corinthian church. So in Second Corinthians ten thirteen, he said, "We are human, but we do not wage war as human do. Right? We use God's mighty." power. Uh, Weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the stronghold of human reasonings and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thought and teach them to obey Christ. And so Paul was having this struggle with the Corinthian church. There was a lot of things that he needed to challenge, right? And, and so the book of Corinthians was re- written for Paul to address some of this issue that the church was facing in his absence. And he wanted to correct some of this wrong teaching and thought that was uh, you know, uh, going around in the church. So, 2 Corinthians, so 1 Corinthians, he wrote a lot of things to address the issue. 2 Corinthians was written as a follow up after his painful visit to him, right, to confront them on some of the ways that they have deviated from Jesus' teaching. And in 2 in Corinthians, one of the issues, right, that was brought up was that the church, you know, demanded from, from Paul a letter of recommendation, right, to prove his credential to be their apostle. Right, and it's like let us be clear, right? This is Paul. He was the one who founded the church. He planted the church, and now they are asking him for his credential. It's like saying, "Hey, who are you? Ah? who are you? Who give you the permission to give birth to us? Right? Do you have any track record? You know, where's your badge? Where's your badge? You know, who give you the authority? Right? Where's your badge? You know, who give the authority to plant us? And Paul was like. Wait, what is this? You know, what are you asking for? You know, do you have any clue what you are asking about? And so what happened was that there were all these super apostles, right, uh, who were in the church, you know, and they are number one, they are charismatic, number two, they are eloquent, right? They can speak very well. Number three, they are wealthy, you know. And when the Corinthian church were looking at the super apostle and they look at Paul and they make a comparison, they go like, Oh yeah, Paul you're so poor, you know, you earn so little money, and you're always suffering, you're always, you know, persecuted, running for life, you know, you're shipwrecked, your, your life is so hard. It's as though like God is absent from your life, you have no approval or favor from God. And Paul is not very charismatic, right? Look at Paul, can't speak very well, can't really articulate his thoughts. And I'm quite sure, you know, uh, Paul is also not that good looking right not like your oppa you know in in the k drama say, you oh, all very good looking right and and so so they were making this comparison and they started to reject Paul as their apostle you know in in, in cantonese right you know we have we have this saying right uh, you must have these three things my you must uh, you, you have to be right your leg your you must be clever you know you must look good you must be wealthy right to be successful but no, but if you don't have this, if you young soy, you know, Motina, you know, you don't have all these things, right? You are really, you know, I don't know how to say it in Cantonese, uh, quite not nice to say it on camera, right? You are too okay. That's it, right? So, so this is how you know it, it has slipped into our mindset when we make an evaluation, right, on all these categories, and and also recently I just heard, right, this is something new I learned, you know, uh, still learning, that you know we have this. A group of growing girls called S I W. You know what's S I W. Anybody? S-I-W, right? And they are looking for guys right with a certain category, you know. SIW, like, I just heard is like, it's called what strong independent women, right? Looking for guys, right? On this evaluation, you know, and then this evaluation is based on like, you know, uh, they must have for guys that that must hit this category, right? Uh, uh a faith of Paul, you know, they must have the faith of Paul, the wealth of Solomon and the body of Samson, right? Body of Samson, eh? wow, very shallow, just like me, right? I very shallow and Okay, uh, those who know me, are well, very shallow. I like I like good looking guys. That's why I married my husband. He is a Sean Ki, Kim Soo Ho, Park Soo Ju. I don't know what Jin Chang Woo, all personified, right? So so that is my husband, right? Very good looking. So you know, and 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 Paul is saying like, what you are comparing me with this super apostle based on? These and this comparison, you know, according to Paul's writing, right, is PDF. You know, what's PDF? You know, this comparison is painful, you know, it is destructive and it is foolish, right? And if you and if you read in uh, the scriptures, right, it was. Paul was so hurt, right? It was super painful for him to be compared to the super apostle in this way. To him, right, the Corinthian church is not just rejecting him, but they are also rejecting Jesus, whom he is authentically representing right, through his many suffering and his deliberate lifestyle to live humbly. You know, God's salvation is demonstrated through Jesus' death, Our sins. His character is demonstrated in his selfless love on the cross. So, Paul was trying to show this new way of living by by imitating the crucified life. so, So, the true mark of a leader is not one who draws attention to himself, it's not about status, it's not about being impressive, but it's about pointing to you, to the one who is. And so this comparison showed that the Corinthian church has a distorted value system. And so this has caused uh, Paul immerse pain, right? And really, they do not grasp you know, uh, who Jesus is on a very fundamental level. They don't know who Jesus is if they're making such a comparison. And, and, and Paul also continues to say that such comparison is really very destructive, right? So, as I say, it's very shallow. This comparison is very superficial, right? Very objective, seems very harmless, right? But most of the time, when we compare ourselves at such a level, you know, it attacks your identity, you know, the core of who you are. The fact that they ask for a letter of recommendation, you know, they are questioning, right, his identity and Paul's identity is under attack. So now, you no longer look ugly, right? You are ugly. That's the difference. You know? Looking ugly and you are ugly is different. Now, you are no longer a lousy speaker. You are lousy. It's, there is a huge difference, right? It was an attack on his identity. You know, Dennis Silk you know, once said, the fastest way to kill something special is to compare it to something else or someone else. Something special about you, the moment you compare it, it just kills it. And it's so, so true in marriage and in relationship. You inflict the most pain and destruction to your spouse or partner when you compare him to, or her to someone else. Right? Why can't you be like so and so? You know, so gentle, so ceasing, so attention to details, always looking after me, open the car door, buy me flowers. Why can't you be like this person? Or why can't you be like so-and-so? So and so? Why can't you be like your cousin, your na- your neighbor? You know, so smart, can get all A's, you know. And so we are always comparing, but whenever we do that to ourselves or to someone else, we inflict a lot of pain. We are causing destruction. To that person and also to the relationship. So be very careful when you make those comparisons. What are you comparing to? Who are you comparing with? And Paul said the the, uh, the last thing say, comparison is foolish foolishness. In 2 Corinthians 10, 12, he said, We wouldn't dare say we are as wonderful as this other man, you know, the super apostle, who tells you how important they are. But they are only comparing themselves with each other, using themselves as standard of measurement. How ignorant, how foolish is that? Such comparison, he says, is foolishness. We don't compare ourselves this way, right? Comparison is absolutely PDF, right? Painful, destructive, and foolish. Now, let's look at how Paul actually break this comparison trap. Number one, you know, he knows. Okay, number one, he knows his identity. He knows who he is. He says in 2 Corinthians uh, eleven verse five, "I do not consider myself inferior in any way to this super apostle who teach such things. I may be unskilled as a speaker, but I'm not lacking in knowledge. We have made this clear to you in every possible way." Paul knew who he is, right? He knows what he's good at, what he's not good at. You know, He didn't allow this comparison to I- attack his identity. Yes, he said, I don't speak well, but I am not lousy. I am lousy at speaking, but I'm not lousy. right? I am skilled in the way that I think. You know, I I know exactly, you know, what I'm talking about. You know, but I, I just love how secure Paul is, because if I am being compared to someone else in, in, someone else in that way, I will be completely destroyed. Right? I'll be so like, uh oh, yeah, la, I'm not good la, don't ask me to speak, I don't want to ever, ever speak again. I'm lousy, la, you know, I never do this again, la. I'll never cook again, I'll bake again because you know, I can't do as well. No, but Paul says no. Nope. I'm not going to allow this to attack my identity. I know who I am. And so, first thing, you know, to break the comparison trap is to know who you are. Second, no, he challenged their measurement of an apostle. Are these true measurements of an apostle? If, you know, wealth and looks and and, and status, you know, uh, are the true measurement of an apostle, then then Paul definitely cannot qualify, la. You know, he, he's not rich, he's He always suffering, you know. In and he's not very impressive. But you know, in my recent study of research methods, right, um, and especially in a, con- a quantitative approach, measurements are very important. How you actually measure a construct is very important, right? Is it valid? You know, is it reliable? So let's say the construct is charisma. Is this, Apostle is very charismatic. How do you measure charisma? Right? How? Is it be- when the person walks in the room, every head will turn and then the jaw will drop? And then you have to count how many heads turn, how many jaw drop. Is that called charisma when a person walks in? Like, wow. Is that a valid measurement of charisma? You know, can somebody walk in and everybody turn their head and drop their jaw? But it's not because the person has charisma. It could be somebody come in in a ridiculous dress. Everybody also, Wow. You know, so is it a valid measurement? Is it reliable? No. is it true that every time a person with charisma walks in, all the heads will turn, everyone will have a jaw drop? Is that reliable? So, so Paul is trying to challenge: Is this a true measurement of an apostle? Right? How do you actually measure charisma? How do you measure, you know, uh, uh, fluency in speaking? How do you measure? He challenged that, and most of the time we often do not challenge the measurements that we put on ourselves or we put on other people. We just say, oh, ugly, though. good-looking. Though. How do you measure good-looking? right? You say you must have a certain height you know, to be an apostle. And good-looking apostle, you must be at least 1.85 meters. I think then, can it be applied to a lot of uh, people? I think a lot of Asian men won't be 1.85. La. I mean, to be, I don't know, some other countries, a lot of guys are not one eight five. Then... They disqualify for being an apostle. Is that the true measurements? So Paul refused to be compared to all these measures. To him, these are human measures, right? So so he began to challenge this and he draws the attention to the true measurement of an apostle and which I call this the boasting list. And he says, actually, I don't want to do this. I don't want to boast. I don't want to say how good I am. I don't want to talk about these measurements. But I have no choice because the Corinthian church loves all this comparison. They like the fools while comparing themselves. So he he said, just allow me to be a fool for a while so that you can accept me and listen to the way I believe how you should measure an apostle. And so he started by saying, you know, uh, are they Hebrews? Are they Israelites? Are they descendants of Abraham? So am I. So he's trying to say, these people are attacking my identity, my cultural identity. Am I a Jew? You know, so only if I are a Jew, then you have the right to speak. You say, I am a Jew. You know, I'm a descendant of Abraham. I'm God's chosen people. So I can speak. First measurement. Bible teacher. You know, does he know the Bible well? This super apostle can know the Bible very well. So Paul says, well, I also know the Bible very well. I'm a Pharisee from young. I memorized the Bible. I can quote to you the Bible uh, from left to right, uh, backward, uh, forward, backward, backward, forward. I can quote to you. I am as skilled in the knowledge of the Bible as this guy. You know. And he said, what about the knowledge of Jesus? You know, These people claim to know Jesus. They know what Jesus is saying. And Paul said, so do I. You know, I I I met Jesus on the road to Damascus. I was caught up in the heavens. I don't even know whether it's a vision. Am I physically on earth or and my whole body was caught up in the heaven? But I was caught up in heaven and the Lord taught me revelation and have vision. I know the Lord. I if this guy knows the Lord, I know the Lord. For sure, I have a walking relationship with Jesus. These people say they are servants of God. I am a servant of God too. And he began to list down what he has done. You know, I have served him far more. In 2 Corinthians 11 verse 22, he said, I have worked harder than anybody else, put in prison often, weep many times, you know, face death, shipwreck, stone, rope from the robbers, you know, face so many dangers to do the work of the lord you know to bring the gospel to the people who need them most i was without clothes without food i was shivering but above all these things he said i have the daily burden of my concern for all the churches you know after suffering all these things he was still passionate and concerned for the church and then he says that okay now to this apostle right you know let me compare what did they do what can I do? You have seen me. I have done signs and wonders. The dead were resurrected. The, the lame walked. The blind see. The dumb spoke. I perform all this miracle. Am I not your apostle? And finally he said, you know, this super apostle, they are rich. and they, And after they serve you, they ask money from you. But I, after I have done all these things, I have never once taken a cent from you. So who is richer? Is it them or me? Who is richer? But at the end of all this, he says all this comparison and all these things I'm trying to boast about, it all doesn't matter because these things don't matter to God. He said, I would rather, rather boast in my weakness. So with all these things, you know, he challenges, his ma- all these measures, he say, but at the end of it, I don't want to compare myself to them, like this way, it doesn't matter. I want to boast in my weakness. And the third thing he did, you know, he said, "I I know a lot. I know the Bible from young. I know all these things about the Word of God. I, I've seen the Lord. I know so many things." But you know what? When God measures a person, He puts a tape around a person's heart, and not around the head. This is very challenging for us, especially in a knowledge-based society and economy, right? Where a lot of emphasis is placed on what you know, right? What you do, what your skills, what we possess. And we like to show off what we know. And I like this quote. It says, you know, knowledge is like underwear, right? It is useful to have, but not necessary to show it off, right? Maybe unless you're a superman, right? But you know what? When God measures a person, He puts a tape around a person's heart. It's not on the head. Because it is not what you know, but whom you know. Who do you really know? 1 Samuel um, 16 verse 7 tells us that the people judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. He puts a tape around our hearts not around our waistline or oh, our waistline. He puts a tape around our heart. God doesn't look at appearance. He always looks at our heart. What qualifies us is not our academic qualification or performance, Paul says. Who qualifies us? It was he. He says, the Lord is the one who qualifies us when we allow him to write his Letter of approval on our hearts. Our proof of credentials are not written with ink or pen on paper, not our certification, our qualification, or tablets of stone or trophies that we get. But it is by the Spirit of God. He writes them on our hearts. And this is a process. And Paul knows it. This process was in the suffering that he willingly subjected himself to. He said, I want the Holy Spirit to write his approval on my heart. I'm willing to go through shipwreck. I'm willing to go through persecution. I'm willing to be whipped. I'm willing to go all out because I want his approval in my life. 1 Corinthians 9 Verse 24 to 27, Paul says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will not fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I am not shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete. Training to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. So, when we read this scripture, we tend to read it through our very meritocratic mindset, right? He says, run to win the prize, means we must be number one. Okay, this is very us must be number one, cannot be number two, right? Always must win. But when Paul wrote this, in in the Greek context, right, everyone understood um, the purpose of the Olympic game, right? Because Olympic game originated from Greece. So in the ancient uh, the ancient Greeks considered co- competition as a sacred thing. They all know. Right. The competition festival were religious held in honor of the Greek god and the local heroes right And the contestants perform offer their performance as tribute to all these gods. And for the Greeks, all acts of mastery was worthy of offering to the gods because there is virtue in the struggle There is virtue in striving for the best. And all of these acts you know, um, for them you know it's not to prove who is greatest in the chosen area but rather it is it is a way to show their tribute to god and so in the same way paul is encouraging us you know run in such a way have the same attitude you know, the same greed, the same determination, You know the same perseverance. These people, they are doing it as, contrib- uh, as a tribute to their gods. But we are doing it for the one who is worthy of it all. So have that mindset, have that attitude. When you run this race, know that you no know, matter how difficult it is, you know that you are doing it for the one the audience of one. They run for the audience of one. So Paul is saying, you know, in, in Philippians 3, it's, whatever all these things I'm boasting about, I count them lost for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things as lost compared to the surpassing excellence of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord. For whom I have lost all things, I consider all my my achievement, you know, whatever my accomplishment, as rubbish that I may gain Christ. So when God comes and He comes to measure our hearts, He's coming to measure how much the Holy Spirit has written Jesus Christ in us. More? Less? Are we willing to go through that process, or are we just saying, I don't want to? You know, just measure me this way—the way I think is the right way. And so, back to my story: when I was asked, you know, to speak, I—I I was making that measurement, right? I said, "Oh, not a good speaker." And the Lord just challenged me in this situation: Joy, you're not a good speaker. Who are you, then? Who are you in this situation? Who am I? I'm Joy, mother of four. I'm fun. I'm good-looking. <laughs> You know, I'm, uh, I'm crazy. Uh, I like to help people. I'm helpful. I'm loving. That's who I am. But it doesn't matter whether I speak or not. That's who I am. And I, and the Lord said, I want to challenge your measurement. What makes a good speaker? Can God challenge your measurement? Whether who is good? Are you a good parent? What is good? Am I a good worker? Am I good at what I'm doing? What is good? Can God challenge that measurement? And I say, God, I allow you to challenge my measurement. And he says, I don't measure you that way. Sometimes we love to be measured in a certain way because that's how we, our our mind thinks like, yeah, I should be measured in this way because that's how I can think. And also maybe because we don't want to go the other way, right? When I say strong, independent woman, what defines strong? What is strong? Is it physical strength? What is strong? Can a person who is weak physically be strong? Yes. Strong mentally, strong emotionally. So what is strong? What is independent, right? So God, you know, say challenge the assumption. Allow God to challenge the assumption when you are in this comparison trap. And I'm just saying to Daniel, say, wow, Faith of Paul, wealth of Solomon, body of Samson. Then he said, I don't like, I don't like wealth of Solomon. Maybe wisdom of Solomon. I go like, but what about heart of David? How come it's not part of the criteria? Right? I say, yeah, I love the wisdom of Solomon. But the wisdom of Solomon didn't bring him anywhere. Right? Didn't bring him closer to God. But the heart of David, it was in the heart of David to build God a house that the Lord says, David, I will build you an everlasting kingdom because your heart has me in it. When I measure your heart, your heart has me in it. I'm not coming here to measure your brain or your mind or your waistline. I'm measuring your heart. And to break that comparison trap, I say, God, how would you like to measure me? How would you like to measure me? That's why I cannot say no to Pastor Janice because God's saying, I want you to say yes. I'm measuring your obedience. I'm measuring how you will struggle when you feel insecure. I want to measure you how you will allow me to work through that. And so today, you know, as we end, my challenge is, How would you like God to measure you? Would you allow God to come in and say, hey, how much of Jesus is in me? How much of Jesus can God find when He measures my heart? It is a challenge, I must say. But today, I just want all of us to know that God comes in in a very, very gentle way. And if we would allow Him to come and say, can I challenge your assumptions can I challenge your measurements he will come he is very gentle he doesn't push his way in but I believe that we all struggle with this comparison trap and we don't know how to break out of it other than you know putting measurements that we think that we can qualify pushing measurements that we think we can manage we don't know what to look for we, don't know, we cannot deal with people comparing, comparing us because it breaks us. But Paul taught us a new way. Know who you are. Know who you are. Challenge the measurement. Are this the right way to measure? And most importantly, know that when God comes, He puts the tapes around our hearts. How much of Jesus can He find in our hearts? Let us pray. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you do not judge our appearance, God. You look right into our hearts. And whatever situation that we are in, God, you want to do something in our hearts. And we just want to invite the Holy Spirit to come. Indeed, our proof of credential is not written with ink or paint on paper. It is written by the Holy Spirit on our hearts. And so we say, God, come, write your words, write your laws on our hearts. We say, come, Lord, do your work, God, as only you can. We repent, Father. We repent for the ways that we have limited ourselves and even other people by our ways of measurements, Lord. How ignorant, how foolish we are. We repent. And today, God, we just want to say we accept your measurements of us, Lord. And we want to run this race, disciplined, discipline, Lord, willing to go through the pain of training the pain of struggle just so that we can have more of jesus in us god so we thank you god jesus name amen we have the band.